that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Now that will be your testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. It will happen that the word will enter your heart again today. It will dispel every evil, every confusion, every trouble inside your soul in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it will make you more and more like the Lord Jesus Amen. while healing you of all afflictions. Amen. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. All right, let's take our seat. The Lord is good. Okay, so our school of prayer, you know, why do I keep on reminding us when we start that there is a school of prayer? I just want people to always remember the purpose for the meeting. It is so that we will learn how to pray effective prayers. We do a lot of teaching. We do a lot of talking. We do a lot of explaining so as to get the heart into the right framework, into the right you know, setting to be able to consciously and even unconsciously offer prayers that are effective. The fact is that this is my own observation. I see it a lot. A lot of the prayers that are offered by Christians are not very effective, especially when they gather together, you know, to pray. You know, somebody sent me a clip of a video by Billy Aconi, and it was very funny. And he started by shouting, um, anybody holding your star, holding your star, holding your star. He said, you're a preacher for Satan if you are praying like that. Are you getting my point? He said, if you are leading, he said, you, he said people will be charging, charging, and you feel like you have prayed. He said, you are preaching for Satan. He said, I need to say it like this so that preachers will wake up. I said, oh, thank you, sir. See, people will say, Pastor Bank is causing trouble. See, you have seen, that's a senior bro. Not small, small boys like us. He's senior bro. He's your guy in Benue. You don't know him. Why are you looking surprised? <laughs> the Lord is good. You know, really, the truth is that people pray that all the time, and you find out that they are wasting time. They will go to the church. Once I asked one uh, sister, we were talking, I traveled to preach somewhere. I met her before in Enugu, so she was talking to me after uh, one of the meetings. So we're just talking about which church she attends, which church she does not attend, and all of that. One of the she told me that she goes to a particular church, I will not mention the name, okay? And he said that why she realized that, that they make her pray. I said, listen, they are not making you pray. They are making you exercise physically. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I just have to tell you the truth. When you go to church, and what they are telling you to do is to kill your enemies, and uproot the placenta that was buried some time ago. You are not praying. You are wasting time. You are joking. You are not praying. When you gather and say, this night, every power holding back your destiny, you are going to destroy it, and you spend the whole night. You did not pray. You were wasting time. You may as well have stood there and done to... You know this one that... You may as well have done that the whole night, because you are wasting time. Many times want to pray. We are thinking about the people who are holding me. You are not praying. You are wasting time. One of the things I hear, and it's, it's an African issue. It's not Bible. Everything that's happening, something, somebody's causing it. And a lot of our prayers, 
even when we don't know who is causing it, is directed at who. Once something is not working, we want to look into the family to find out who, who, some, who is not happy at my progress. And when we do, whether we know, sometimes we know, we think we know the person. And we'll start aiming at that fellow. Other times we don't know who it is, so we'll just carry our gun. To, 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 to just be shooting into environment. anybody that is jammed. If, somebody, if our neighbor now dies, you think it's our prayer. When I come to church, any testimony? Yes, so praise the Lord. After that anointing service, I went home and I declared war. And then the witch died. A poor woman who's been sick, you did not know. Finally, she gave up. He said she's the witch. A lot of like Christians are not praying. That's the point I'm making. They are not praying. Well, it, later on, I found out that I actually know somebody close to the individual. Because this story was just flying around. Somebody just forwarded it to me, and I read the story. I don't even know how I, I stumbled into it, but the fellow wrote it on Facebook. Okay, I'm not a Facebook person, but I've, I got into I think somebody copied to WhatsApp. So I'll share with one pastor later. He said, oh, that one is my cousin. Ah. I said, are you serious? He said, yes. The young man described how the family scattered because the father was having financial problems. The mother went to one church. The father went to another church. Two different Pentecostal churches to go and pray. The people in church A said that the man is an occultist. One of their children died at that time, their daughter, and said that he had sacrificed the girl for wealth. The church where he went to said to him that his wife is a witch, and she's the reason why he's having financial problems. How do you reconcile that kind of husband and wife? It's not possible. Both of them went to churches. See, I've told you, many people are not going to church. You are not going to church. Let me give you advice. Sit at home on Sunday. Buy a bottle of beer. Drink. You will go closer to God with that kind of madness than this place you go to you call church. What I've said is not a joke. Normal people, please, don't drink on Sunday morning. But those of you that go to churches where they identify your wife, your husband, who's a witch, who's not a witch, you will do well. God will love you more if you sat at home on a bottle of beer which normally he does not appreciate. Do you, you understand my point? But you are closer to the kingdom than those who went to church and they are pointing at... Some will say on Sunday morning, they say, I can't stay at home on Sunday. I said, you are going to hell on Sunday. Which one is worse? Staying at home or going to a place where you don't... Billy Akoni said, that pastor is preaching for Satan. Would you rather go to a place where they preach for Satan? This young man described how his family was scattered because daddy went to one church, mommy went to one church. Where daddy went, they said mommy is a witch. Where, daddy, where mommy went, they said daddy is an occultist. Do I need to tell you none of them is seeing the visions of God? Do I need to tell you that all the prayers they lead people in are wasted prayers? That's why we keep on talking here. Every Tuesday we gather like this. So that Christians will just have it in their hearts concerning what is the right way to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. Everybody must learn. They told him, John the Baptist taught his disciples. If you are not being taught how to pray, you probably are not going to the right place. 
teach us how to pray. There is a how to. Many times what we have done, all right, is import prayers of idolatry. Then we change the God. You know, <laughs> somebody sent me a joke. When, you know the way they send pictures around. I read down this afternoon. Somebody put a placard somewhere, a sign. Don't dump refuse here. Otherwise, thunder will, no, uh, Ogun, is it Shongo will kill you in Jesus' name? <laughs> Did you hear what I said? He, sent, he, he took a picture of it. Don't put refuse here. Otherwise, Shongo will kill you in the name of Jesus. That's what people do. They import Shongo prayers into church, they add the name of Jesus and expect Jesus to fall in line and answer the prayers. He doesn't. I said to us before, when people tell you there's revival, I wonder what they mean by revival. Revival is one thing that marks revival. It's not miracles. It's repentance. It's not the crowd. It's repentance. What is revival? That people are becoming sorry for a life that is the lives that they are living away from the will of God and they want to reconcile themselves to him through a walk in righteousness. What marks our revival is repentance. If repentance is not there, it's not revival, it's a joke. <laughs> the other day, but two churches ahead of now, I asked my wife the other day, how's your former driver? He said, I didn't tell you, he said, I had a church. <laughs> I said, laugh. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. After finishing everything inside the church, the man that you can't give 200 naira to do something there, he will split it in two and do only 100 naira on. He has started the church. A man that can't tell the truth about anything, he has started the church. A man who I fired out of frustration. One day I told my wife, I've tolerated this guy enough. Please let him go. He had borrowed money from her, you know, to be paid from his salary over time. I said, don't worry, I, I hereby write it off. <laughs> that is, is, is for my peace of mind. He can't tell the truth. One day he was driving me. I said, I wanted to go to Usuka. Went with my son. Then I noticed that the car was always going off the road. So I looked in the mirror. I was sitting at the back. And I saw the guy was falling asleep on the steering. So I coughed, you know, this kind of, just to wake him up. He'll wake up. So I will be watching his eyes, then the car will go off, start going off the road again. I will cough again, then he'll wake up. After a while, I said, please park. He parked. I told him to come down, sit on the passenger side. I took my car keys, I can drive. So I drove to where I was going. And my didn't drive me, drives my wife. He used to drive my wife. I went back. We came, of course, while I was doing my business, he had, I knew he would have had enough time to sleep. I was in there for over two hours. When I came out, I gave him the car, let him drive back home. But because nobody doesn't drive me, I went, find where my wife was and dropped him off there with her. But I told her that this your guy won't jam, won't throw me, my son, himself, my car into the bush. So my wife said, ah, her guy said you were sleeping. He said, me? I can never sleep. Drive, drive and sleep. He said, her guy collected the key for me because he said I was not going fast enough. I said what? He told my wife, him? But that she knows how long she has been, she has been driving. He can never sleep. Sleep behind the steering? No. 
When my wife came home and told me, I said, he said what? Next morning, when he reported for work, I came out. What did you say to Madame yesterday? By the time I, I, of course, she was standing beside him. You know what he said? I told him that you were sleeping. I saw you, you went off the road twice. I woke you up. That's why you righted the steering. You know what he said? It is well. Shortly after, I had to fire the man. Look. I fired him for not being able to tell the truth. What is wrong with saying, Madam, there was trouble at home. I didn't sleep the whole night. I'm so sorry. Who, I mean, I have traveled before. I, you know, one day I was traveling. I joined a queue. For, I didn't need fuel. I just joined the queue so I could sleep in the queue. Because I left the house very early in the morning. I just joined the queue. I just went to sleep in the company of people. Strange. All everybody will have done that, but that's not the, the Jesus that he has hired a judge. He is not a pastor. And then there's revival. We have to pray. Eh? You may think it's not possible. If we don't pray, government will release a decree and ban the starting of churches. They will not start praying that there's persecution. God say, hey, when, when you were not persecuted, what did you do? When you were not being persecuted, what did you use the freedom to do? We're going to pray today that all these churches will close. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Because many times what happens is that when God reacts, we call it persecution. When the judgment and the anger of God, when it is stirred up, we'll be blaming the instruments that he's using. I say to, to Christians all the time, be careful how you use your freedom. Because if you don't use it right, he will collect it. God will collect it. And the people he's using to collect the freedom, you now be saying, these are enemies. Because say, no, 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 they are not enemies. They are weapons in my hands. I'm the one that sent them to deny you of your freedom. I like what the Ben Carson said. He said, when they tell young men, to live in a certain way. They say, no, nobody should restrain him. He wants to do what he likes. I want to do what and I want to live my life. I want to live my life, man. I want to live my life the fullest. So then he ends up in a place where they tell him when to wake up, when to sleep, when to bathe, when to eat, when to use the bathroom. Of course, you know where that place is? Prison. Sometimes they put him there permanently. Why? The time they gave you freedom, you did not use it correctly. So now God has placed you where you will serve your enemies forcefully. For not serving the Lord thy God willingly. That's the way it works. Church, be careful. Lest the freedom we brag about in Nigeria, where everybody can start a church. Believe me, I don't think it's a normal thing. I think it's a blessing from God. Someone just gets up, just put a sign somewhere. Jesus is Lord International Ministries. And you know what? Even local government will keep off. They don't want to offend God. Whether he's born again, whether he's called, whether he's not called, nobody asks questions. I don't take it lightly. I believe it's a gift of God. So he allows us to do what we are supposed to do. Somebody told me our neighboring country here, Cameroon, to get, that is, that the president has to sign. In Nigeria, we have over 22,000 registered denominations. 
You know what I said? I didn't say churches, so that is like the diff- that is different names. Go go and try and register the name of a church. I can tell you it's not easy. There's no name you want to cook up that has not been used. Twenty two thousand names CAC has documented. So bring your own now. You have to start speaking Greek and Hebrew to be able to register a church now in Nigeria. When you see some strange names, don't blame the people. Normal names are finished. I take it as liberty that God granted. But for a purpose. And if we don't use it rightly, we lose it. If we don't use it rightly, we lose it. So we have to be careful. And even those of us who think we are not preachers, we are not called to ministry, all of us are responsible collectively. We are all responsible. Everybody is responsible. Sometimes we are responsible by what we tolerate. We are responsible. We are responsible by not praying about situations. We are responsible. So let's be careful. I don't want us to, I mean, the point is that the Spirit doesn't want us to lose that freedom. Let's do what is right. Back to our main issue for today. Let's learn how to pray effectively. We've been looking at something for, for the last um, two meetings now, and we're going to continue on that. We've been talking about how important the church is in what God is doing, and how we must be responsible and realize that some things are our duties, and we must do our duties and not be blaming, for example, like a nation like ours, the government. We must do our duties and not be blaming um, maybe the environment. We must remember, let me take it from there again. The Lord Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. Remember that? He said you are the light of the world. Let, let me remind us of what that means again. It means that what happens on the, in the world and on the earth is a reflection of what you are like. It doesn't mean that you are responsible for the decadence that's in the world, that in this genesis. But if it progresses, you are not doing what you are supposed to do. If the judgment of God comes upon it, it's because you failed in your own duty as a church. Derek Prince, I quote this statement from him all the time. He said, in any nation where the church is established, God holds the church in that nation responsible for everything that happens in that country. If there's economic problems, they are responsible. If there's political issues, they are responsible. If there are natural disasters, they are responsible. Anything that happens there, the church is held responsible. Now, let me remind us of something again. In every nation, like we mentioned, God has his own nation inside there. And many times you see things happening. God is not speaking to everybody. He's speaking to one person. For example, you will see there was a time that uh, Elijah was supposed to meet with God. And when he got there, he heard the wind blowing. There, there was a storm. Now let me ask you, if somebody was nearby that day, would the person have heard that? The answer is yes. It was not a supernatural phenomenon in which only him saw or heard. Anybody around would have heard it. Do you get my point? The rocks were cracking. Would somebody around on the mountain that they have noticed that? The answer is yes. Do you get my point? Fire, they will have noticed. The only one that only Elijah will have noticed is the sound of a gentle blowing. Do you understand? What King James calls the still small voice. But all the other things he will have noticed. They will have noticed. Now the point I'm making is that 
But why were those things happening? In summary, it was because of Elijah. It wasn't happening because of the shepherds down the hill. It wasn't happening because of two young men who were hiking on the mountains that day. It would have been happening simply because of whom? Elijah. There was a time some headsmen, some cattle rustlers, attacked the goods of Job. They killed his headsmen. Now, why was that happening? It's simple. Because of one person. And what's that person's name? Job. Listen, when God wanted to move... Now, listen to this carefully. When God wanted to move Jacob and his family out of the promised land for safekeeping for some time in Egypt, there was famine all over the known world that time. You see, events happened to move one man and his family. Egypt felt it. Now, the primary reason why those things happened was to move them because God said because the iniquity of the Amorite was not yet full. And I was studying this particular scripture. He said that Amorite there stood for all the nations there that time because God in his judgment was not yet able to wipe them out. So he said they have to fill up their iniquity. So what he did was to move his people into Egypt. And the point is this. Why did all of that happen? Because of one person and his family. Because of the plan of God he had with them. So if you find a tsunami hit Indonesia, that was many years ago that happened in Bandarache, you ask yourself, why did that happen? There are many reasons, all right? But it is not the common reason. First, let me quickly say it's not an accident. It's a deliberate act of divine judgment. Why did it happen? I have my own personal persuasion, conviction, I'm convinced about it. If you see the economy in Nigeria slide, I'm talking about Nigeria now, just look at this, these are our brethren. We are the one responsible. If it goes down, we are responsible. If God is, when God is ready to do something for us, we will, will feel it all around. It is not really accurate all the time. Sometimes it might be, but most times it doesn't work that you find out that there will be no light, that there will be light in Goshen and there will be darkness in Egypt. No. Most of the times what you find, okay, is that God says to them, in the prosperity of that land which I have sent you in as exiles, in it you also find prosperity. That is, if I want to bless you, I will bless that land. So he says to them, pray for the prosperity of that land. Pray for the peace of that land. He did not say run away from it. You must understand that God sends people into places. And you don't just move away because of discomfort. How you solve discomfort in the place where God has sent you to is to pray. Did you hear what I said? A lot of people think that the way you solve discomfort is to look for a more comfortable place. If God sent you there, no, not like that. If God sends you into a place, the way you will find comfort is to pray. If the place becomes uncomfortable, you will stay. Except he issues a direct instruction otherwise. What you do is what you do what? You pray. This escaping thing, you know, is not godliness. No serious children of God. They solve every problem with prayer. And if before they move from one place to the other, one day a man was trying to explain something, things were wrong for him, and he said it's time to move forward. <laughs> you know why he said so? He said because when the brook dried, Elijah moved. Then the brother talking to him said, no, when the brook dried, the Lord spoke to Elijah to move. The drying of the brook 
does not just indicate motion. Because where he went to was not much wetter anyway. Am I right or am I wrong? The woman's house was as dry as the brook that he was coming from. So if it was just because of the dryness of the brook that he moved, he had to go to where there was water. But God said, you are going to the house of a woman that have spoken to her, told her to take care of you. She didn't hear any voice, but she had the right spirit. And the truth is that God sent Elisha to that woman so that that woman and her son will be preserved. So he brought the anointing of God into her house. You know why the brook dried? Because Elijah was supposed to move. The dryness of the brook did not move Elijah. It's just that God said, now take this anointing with which we have sustained this place. Take it and take it to that woman's house. And when the anointing got there, what happened? Abundance followed it. So, when it comes to believers, shifting is not just, you have to be careful. Because location is spiritually determined for us. It is spiritual. There's no game of chance in this life. If you're a believer, there's no game of chance. Location is spiritually determined. It's a divine commandment from heaven. You have to be careful that you don't buy into the demon spirit. God sends you somewhere. It's no guarantee of comfort in the place. No. That's a mistake we make. The only thing you are sure of is that that's where he wants it to be. <laughs> that's just the way it works. You want the place to be comfortable, you will pray comfort into the place. He took Abraham from where there was comfort. From there, he uprooted him and put him in the place where he had to interact with God. He lived in tents the rest of his life. But that was the path to divine destiny. So let's get it clear. In every nation, back to the matter, God has his people. He places them there and says, because you and I have a relationship, you can affect what is going on in this place. If you do what is right, I will respond the way I'm supposed to, the way I promised to. And if you start erring, if you start doing what is wrong, I will also speak to you. There are many ways he speaks. The easiest way, the best way is you read your scriptures, you have instructions. But sometimes I have to stir up, he says, things around to wake you up. Until today is like that. In any nation on this earth, how the people of God are responding is what is actually determining what is happening outside, where the church is established. If they tell you about corruption in Nigeria, don't look for it in APC. Don't look for it in PDP. Where do you look for it? Inside the church. Solve it there. It will solve itself outside. If they talk about racism in a place like United States, why are we talking about racism? Let's look for tribalism. Let's start with tribalism. If we solve tribalism in the church, it will weaken over time outside. Americans complain about racism. The only problem with racism is the church. Racism was taught because of misunderstanding from pulpits. And let me tell you, there are different, I don't want to teach in details about that, but there are different levels of racism. Some people who are laboring for the other race, they are racist in their hearts. They are just doing the work of God. Like the Reverend said those days in Kenya, he was a missionary there. He was, teaching, he was actually heading a school that there were missionaries in Kenya who would spend all their lives there. And if a black person comes to ask them for water, they will always give water. They will never refuse. But through the window. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear me correctly? 
the love of God in their hearts will never allow them, amen, to refuse water to the native Kenyan. But he has to take you through the window. He's not worthy of entering into their home. And they'll be wondering why the gospel is not advancing. That we give our lives. Look, if you solve the problem of tribalism inside the church, it dies outside. If you solve it, the problem of racism inside the church, in a place like the United States, it will also die outside. Why are people racist? Why are they tribalist? Or why are they tribalistic? I'm not discussing it now. But whatever be the genesis, it starts to be solved by the word of God in the lives of believers. We are held responsible. That's what we've been talking about. Please listen to this. Federal government, APC, Muhammad Buhari, they are not the problems of Nigeria. I'm not saying people cannot be problems, but they are not the problem. Let me give you an example. On the floor you are stepping on now, on your bed sheet, forget your floor. Your towel in the bathroom, there are millions and millions of gems. Many of them hoping to kill you. But guess what? They can't. They're just like the common witches in the village and in your neighborhood. They can't do anything. Why? Your immunity is intact. But sometimes you find people that have, for certain reasons, their immune system is down. The best known reason is HIV. But that's not the only reason. It could be diet, poor nutrition. It could be some drugs they are taking. When the immunity is now down, then these germs that have been there all this while suddenly start crawling into the nose, causing problems in the sinuses. Crawling into the throat, causing problems. Crawling into the kidney, causing problems. So doctors call that opportunistic infections. That is normally, they can't. So some of the, and listen, ignorant people, we sit down there. And that is why many times some people just say they are sick, they go to the lab, do a test, and they take drugs. It doesn't even work. There's so much about human system. You, you, there are some test results you bring to your doctor, he looks at it. Did they culture, did they identify that bacteria, the, the bacterium? Yes, they did. But is it going to treat it? He says no. Why? He said, this is a normal bacterium in your system. Let it stay there. Let's find out why it's causing problems for you. Which is the reason why I don't know why people cast out witches from inside trees. It's a normal place homeless people should stay. If they say there's a tree opposite my house and there are witches inside, I will come and tie a rope around the tree. You know what that rope means? Don't come out. Stay there. So that we can have space inside the house. You know, some very funny human beings now go and cast out the witches from inside the house. You are very wicked. Even Jesus, when they cast out demons from inside a human being, allow them into a pig. This is just an ordinary tree. You can't let them. Hi! Wicked soul. So we don't spend our energy. You say, okay, what if witches are afflicting me? That's what I'm discussing. Why should they have the power to afflict you? What is depressing your spiritual immunity? So if you come to somebody like me, I will not ask you who's the witch. Who cares? Say people don't want me to prosper. Who cares? They never wanted Jesus to prosper. It's normal. Some people want to hold back my star. Who cares? It's normal. So forget the people. The issue is that why is it affecting you? That is what we will discuss. I hope you're getting my point. So we'll ask you things like, 
What kind of iniquity are you putting your hand in? Those are the things that are weakening spiritual immunity. Why are you not believing the word of God? Why are you not giving thanks for what God has done for you? This lack of thank, you no know, thankfulness, lack of gratitude, not praising God. These are the things that are weakening spiritual immunity. When last do you go to church? When last do you join with the brethren to relax and share the word? Have you been forsaking the garden together of the brethren? These are the things that are weakening immunity. Stop telling me one which is pursuing you. Are you the first? Like I said, they will make, they make express, they make, maybe they say feel special with common problems. Pastor, I've not slept for one week. Witches are after me. So why, why is it a special thing? It's a common thing to have enemies. Why should the fact that witches don't like you, why, why is it affecting you is the issue. I'm saying all of this to just emphasize the fact that I'm not saying there are no troubles out there. I'm emphasizing that why is it our trouble? Bear that in mind. So God is, back to the matter of the nation, God is holding us responsible. And I'm saying it again. The God that we serve is not a nice God, as in soft God. He doesn't flog children. If his children disobey him, they do that which is against his will. They just pull their cheek. I say, my children, it's not good. It breaks my heart. When you behave like this, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Are you going to flog us? No. Flogging is Old Testament. Flogging is Old Testament. I don't flog people. Ever since Jesus died on the cross, my cane died with him. In fact, that cross was made from my cane. So they nailed him to the cross. He took my flogging to the grave. Rubbish. What did I call it? Join me now. What did I call it? Thank you. The God that we serve is a terrible thing to fall into his hands. He's still a consuming fire. In fact, the heat of his anger increased after Jesus died and rose again from the dead. You say why? Because before he was angry for iniquity. Now he's angry for rejection of the son. I hope you are getting my point. Those who reject him are guilty of crucifying him. Did you hear what I said? When I said guilty of crucifying him, I mean Jerusalem was guilty of crucifying him. Romans wiped them out. When he was writing the book of Hebrews, he said they crucify again. Do you get my point? That's what I was talking about. Those who turn back, they crucify again. So please don't joke with him. If anything, his anger has been ramped up. But yes, as a matter of fact, his anger is not directed at his children. As long as they walk in obedience to his word. What am I trying to say? So if you see calamity outside, don't assume it's the devil. Many times, it is God. In fact, most times, it is his judgment. It is his decree. It is that people have provoked him to anger. And it is not true. Any gospel that says that doesn't happen. It's not true. They say, verse Jesus died, they say, hey, don't tell me that lie. Jesus was already dead and resurrected when Ananias and Sapphira died. Jesus had died and was up from the grave 
and had ascended on high when Jerusalem was punished according to the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you go and read, go and read Revelation, you will be afraid. They will tell you from the center of the throne, one came out riding a horse, a white horse, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And that one came, and that one went, and he made men kill themselves. The other one went riding a pale horse. And what did he do? He began to kill with death. Very funny. How do you kill with death? So modern translations now said pestilence. And they were not coming from hellfire. All of this happened after Jesus had died. So please, nobody should come and tell me that story. That God does not do anything that is bad. In quotes, you know what I mean by bad now. His judgments are still severe. And what we need to do all the time is to pray against that judgment. Is to pray for his mercy for ourselves first and then for the land in which we live. He said you are the salt of the earth. What that means is that the land is deserving of judgment. But if I look at the land and I'm about to pour forth my judgment and I look at you walking in righteousness, praying for mercy, I will suspend the judgment on that land. Of course, that was the discussion between God and Abraham. If I find ten righteous people, it does not change the fact that Sodom and Gomorrah will have been still deserving of judgment, except that it will not have come. And many times, places that God should judge were thinking, he said, no, I'm suspending it. Why? I can still count my ten righteous. So our land, the one we are living in here, may be polluted, but that is not the reason why judgment comes. The reason why judgment comes in reality at the end is the absence, do you get my point, of the ten. So why did Sodom and Gomorrah die? Why was, why was Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, why were they punished? Was it because of their sin? Yes. That's one way to answer it. But you can answer it more accurately to say it was because ten righteous were not found in them. So even though they had all the sins, the sexual immorality, the depravity, the idolatry. Even though they did not care about the poor, they will have survived for some time more if God found ten righteous people. So let's not talk about whether Nigeria is righteous or is not righteous and all of that. Let's talk about are there enough righteous people? That's what it means when they say you are the salt of the earth. What am I doing again? I'm helping us to accept Responsibility. Let me say something quick, briefly about the sin of the people. Now, listen to this. The people of God are the issue now. We are not talking about, we, we don't care now whether the people outside are doing right or they're not doing right. We are saying, are the people of God doing what is right? The sins of the people of God usually, which again, let me say it again, they become useless as salt if they continue in their sins. That's why Jesus said, let your light so shine. That it's possible for it not to shine. If the salt loses its savour, it means it is possible for the salt to lose its saltiness. How does the church lose its saltiness? That's, that's what I'm going to say. I'll just give us a number of ways. One major way is through worldliness. A major way is through worldliness. What does it mean to be worldly? To start behaving like the world. To start holding the standards of the world. 
to start learning the things from the things of the world from the world to becoming what conformed he said don't be conformed but they become conformed in fact that's basically how they lose their saltiness that's the major one inside that i can talk about idolatry they start worshiping other gods without going to a shrine number one god they worship is mammon Talking to a Christian today, he was telling me, ah, I don't settle myself. I felt like that and said, bro, you're not settled. Don't lie to me. I was telling me, I've invested money like this. I've invested money like this. Ah, at least now, I don't rest. See, I know say I don't settle myself. I shook my head. I said, it cupboard. You should have known that God said, do not lay up treasure on the earth. You should have known that anything you put on this earth, you can't rely on it. What's wrong with you? He was there telling me, I've done this, I've done this, this amount I spent it, I invested in this. And I said, ah, at least now. I know I don't say to myself. Just smile. I didn't say any word. Though. So every time I talk, I just said, mm. I know they talk. But in my mind, I said, how can you say you have settled yourself? That is what is called worldliness. That is what is called worldliness. That's having another God beside him. That is worldliness. Is the number one problem of the church. Another problem of the church, I'm just mentioning them, you know, as my spirit is picking them up. Very important. Wrong doctrines. Especially doctrines that cover Christ. Yes. You know, today I told you I was listening to that clip by um, Brother Billy Akone. And he said, when you preach like this, you're a messenger of Satan. Ah. Just by the way, I smiled to myself at least. I'm not as bad as this. I don't know, are you getting my point? That is, when I talk, I, I've not gone that far. I mean, I'm not that bold to say. <laughs> the Lord is good. He said, yes, I mean it. You're a messenger of Satan. He said, if you preach anything that covers the work of Christ on the cross, you are an enemy of that cross. And let me quickly say something to you. Let's talk about God for a moment and his attitude towards things. That the reprint said, in agreeing with God, you must learn his, to agree with his attitudes. If you read your Bible well, that is New Testament now, the writings of Paul. Paul will start writing to the Corinthians. Now, let's tell you about the Corinthians. Later on, he rebuked the Corinthians. He said, there is sin amongst you, the type that's not named, even by the Gentiles. He said, when you are even, that's one. Apart from that, he said, when you are doing communion table, there's communion disunity. Rich boys chop communion on that side with their gold cups. And poor people chop their communion on this side. So, and you know, communion, their own communion, you can see, it was not this tiny, tiny piece of bread we hand out. Their communion, people could eat and be full. <laughs> Tell some we eat, say we are going for communion. They will come hungry. Then load the whole thing. Those who came late will get nothing. He said, if it is food that was your problem, why did you eat at home? Now, this is a church in Corinth. There is division amongst you. Remember that one? See, look at their sins. So. One, division. Two, communion misbehavior. Three, the guy that took his father's wife, they were tolerating immorality. We can continue counting. We we'll continue counting. They used to prophesy anyhow. As one person is prophesying, God says the Lord, say, hey, wait, say something to me, wait. Another person, he had to write them to say, 
Let things be done decently and in order. Now, this kind of church, when he wanted to write to them, he started by greeting them. I've heard of your faith. I've heard of your love. He praised them and praised them. Even though he rebuked them, he said praise them. I hope you're getting my point. That's how Paul was. Each time he would praise people. But when he was going to write to the Galatians, let me tell you about the Galatians. They did not take anybody's wife. They did not prophesy anyhow. In fact, the only thing they were guilty of was just trying to live a bit more righteously. But their doctrine, listen to this, their doctrine said the death of Jesus on the cross does not save by itself. It requires the law of Moses, adherence to that law to be saved. When he was going to write them, there was no greeting. He introduced himself, said, I am, I'm, let's, this is amazed, it's nice. What he said is, I am ashamed of all of you. Shame, shame, shame on y'all. American. <laughs> he said, whoever preached that doctrine to you, let him be accursed. That's a summary of it. It's, oh, if I'm the one that said it, let me tell you the meaning of let him be accursed. He said, by the way, if I'm the one preaching it, may God punish me. That was what Paul was saying. What? How dare you touch the sacrifice of Jesus? How dare you take the eyes of the people away from the eternal plan of God? The plan that he prepared before the foundation of this world. The plan of all ages. That is, Paul didn't mind when people were misbehaving a bit. He didn't say it was good. He said, they will grow. But when they touched the knowledge of Christ Jesus, he did not find it funny. Now, if you can, take this message to every preacher you know. Be careful. God is jealous for his truth about Christ. Anyone who takes away from it is his enemy, even though he claims that he has given his life to Christ. It's very important. Wrong doctrine, another sin of the church. I know where wrong doctrine starts from. It's from mammon. You know, that worldliness is what begets wrong doctrine too. Yes. Because truth often does not produce the kind of mammon we are looking for. I'm drawing all of this down to one thing. The primary problem, therefore, in the church, let me summarize it there so we can pray. The primary problem in the church is from the people that preach to her. You hear what I said? Let me, if you're a preacher, listen to me. Be careful, though. There's one prayer I pray all the time. God, please, when I go to preach, don't let me lie to people. There are two kinds of lies. There's lie you are not aware of, which you two are deceived. So the person, people you are preaching to and you, both of you are going to suffer the consequences. But it's a kind of lie which you know is a lie, yet you preach it. You know what? I pray to God to deliver me from both of them. He said, deliver me from secret, secret faults 
and errors that I don't understand. Let them not have power over me. People say, yes, to fear God means to revere God and be reverent. I told you that that has no meaning. I don't understand the meaning of a reverence God. What is the meaning of reverence? Honestly, I don't understand the meaning. To fear God means to be afraid of disobeying Him, lest you fall into judgment. That's what it means. This is your reverence thing, you're on your own. The one I know is that every disobedience has a just recompense of reward. That's what I know by the fear of God. To fear God does not mean to be afraid of Him like you fear a rattlesnake. I agree with you. It means to be more afraid of Him than you fear a rattlesnake. Because why should you fear a rattlesnake that can only kill the flesh? That's not what Jesus said. David Paulson said the cure for fear is a greater fear. I'm saying something here. So one of the reasons why I prayed that prayer, you know what Elihu said? <laughs> he said, I will not flatter with my mouth lest my maker take me away. Tell preachers, if you stand on this pulpit and you lie to people, you are just packaging yourself for judgment. He said, the blood, you know what, what, what the Bible says? He said, when you sin deliberately like that, the blood does not cover it. So people will handle some things flippantly. Make it like it's a joke. Sir, why are you preaching this doctrine? About first fruits, this one, that one. He said, they are carrying our, how did he say it again? That our members are carrying our money somewhere else. We need to collect the money back. That is what they call worshipping other gods. You are worshipping money. So, sir, you know what you are preaching is not true. And we know, but... Anybody here talk like that? Tell him, me and you will not enter the same car again. Because I don't know the day your judgment is coming. I don't know which man of God said this, but I heard the testimony from a place I believe is valid. One man finished preaching in the church one day, after preaching, preaching. Of course, lying, plenty. Of course, the money was good, so when he was going, they gave him his cut of it. So he entered his car. As he left the church, the Holy Spirit said to him, if you want to see your wife and children again, go and return that money. So he told the driver, turn. The driver turned, remember, to the church. Man of God, thank you very much. He returned the money they gave him. Why are you returning it? He said, the Lord says, if I want to see my wife and children again, I can't go with that money. In 1959, Kenegin prophesied that the man who was standing in the forefront of the move of God on the earth at that time, at the end of 65, God said, I will remove him. He said, why? He said, he's leading the body of Christ astray. The sin of the church is, is primarily the sin of his leaders. I want to read a few scriptures to us. Quickly, open your Bible to the book of Lamentations, chapter 4. And we are going to rise up shortly and begin to pray. I have drawn it down so far. First, in every nation, the church is the most important thing. Two, when God is dealing with that church, it reflects around. The church needs to be the salt of the earth indeed. Why does the church go astray? What are the kind of sins that the church gets engaged in? One, worldliness. Two, wrong doctrines. Three, divisions. Please mark that down so I don't forget it in case you're writing that down. So you can even remind me so I don't forget. Division inside the church. Division. Division. I heard a man preaching. He said that's the first love that they abandoned. 
The people stopped loving themselves. They begin, they, they became divided. And God wrote to the church, I think in the Ephesus, you need to return to your first love. Lamentations chapter 4. Now, this is what God has done in judging his people. From verse 11, Jeremiah said, The Lord has accomplished his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger, and he has kindled a fire in Zion, which has consumed its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe. They didn't know God could do that. Nor did any of the inhabitants of the world that the adversary and the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. Why did this happen? Verse 13. Because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who have shed in her midst the blood of the righteous. My emphasis, why I read this. All of this happened because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests. Notice those two expressions. The sins of our prophets and the iniquities of our priests. Quickly, back up to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. I want to read again two verses. I'm just reading this one because of time. I would love to read some more. Let me just start from verse 4. I will stop in verse 8, but I will rush until I get down to verse 7. Hear the word of the Lord who has of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What injustice is your fathers finding me, that they went far from me? He said, They walked after emptiness and became empty. They did not say, Where is the Lord? Who brought us up from the land of Egypt, through all the deserts and pits and deep darkness? Verse 7, I have brought you into the fruitful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But you came and defiled my land, and my inheritance you have made an abomination. Notice verse 8. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers have transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that did not profit. Please, I'm trying to bring out the sins of the prophets to see that that is a major reason, if not the major reason, why we have problems. Quickly, Isaiah chapter 9. A friend of mine sent me something to make me laugh yesterday. I looked at the little boy. I said, this boy is looking for judgment. Not my friend that sent it, the, the prophet. Sent a picture of a prophet. He said, the guy is a prophet. One small boy like this. But there can be small boys who are prophets. He, says, he said, the prophet of God. He said, if your life is tight, check your tight. If you are suffering, check your offering. What's the third one? Yes, if you are sick, check your seed. <laughs> if your life is tight, check your tight. If you are suffering, check your offering. If you are sick, check your seed. I told my friend, I said, this boy is begging for punishment. I said, this one, who teach him this guy? <laughs> I said, it's even worse when he used to tie to prophet. He will soon get into trouble. You know that God is tired of these things as at now. If I wanted to lie that kind of life, I should have lied it 10 years ago. As at 2020, God, if I hear that rubbish from your mouth, I will tighten your life, make you sick, and you will suffer. That's what you are <laughs> When I saw it, I told my friend, where is this guy man of God from? 
<laughs> Is he doing this like this in 2020? <laughs> they told him that's how to make it in ministry. I said, okay. Like one mafia guy said once, some, some boys went and robbed a mafia dance shop. He said these boys were begging to be made examples. <laughs> some people sometimes see the way they behave. You say, yeah, they are just looking for, because who do I make an example of what people should not do? You say, Isa. <laughs> the Lord is good. Isaiah chapter 9. If you are looking for money, please don't come into ministry. It's not where people make money. It's not. Ministry is as poor, yet making many rich. Ministry is have coveted nobody's goods. Ministry is death. It's a laying down of your life. If you're not already ready for that, please go somewhere else. Sometimes people say, pastors fly private jet. I said, stop deceiving yourself. In the whole of this country, Alright? The number of pastors that fly private jet, they are not more than five. Are they up to five? About five, right? We know all of them. Unless they are flying in secretly. There are more than 2,000 that can't pay children's school fees. If you think you come to ministry, come and make money. Just forget it. And the fact that one man is flying private jet is none of your business. How do you, what does it take to fly a private jet? Just two things. One, private money. Two, Private places, thank you. Once you have private money and you are going to private places, please pri- fly private anything you like. And if I'm going to enough of those private places and I have enough of that private money and I'm interested in that amount of private headache, I will also buy one and I won't tell you about it. Because it's, another, it's just a car, it's a bigger car. But my emphasis is that I don't think that is ministry. I say, you know, I'm believing God for when I'll have a private jet. What's wrong with you? Where are you going? You see, we are not going anywhere. They're looking for a private jet. Where are you going? <laughs> there are people who have, they, they, they have never crossed River Niger. They are believing God for the day of private jet. What kind? <laughs> the Lord is good. We are reading somewhere, right? Isaiah chapter what? Chapter 9. Let me read from verse um, 13. He said, Yet the people do not turn back to him who struck them. Nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. So the Lord cuts off head and tail from Israel. Both palm branch and bulrush in a single day. The head is the elder and honorable man. And the prophet who teaches falsehood is the tale. For those who guide these people are leading them astray. And those who are guided by them are brought to confusion. Therefore the Lord does not take pleasure in their young men, nor does he have pity on the orphan or the widows. For every one of them is godless and an evildoer. And every mouth is speaking foolishness. In spite of all this, his anger does not turn away. And his hand is still stretched out. I want you to notice something here. Why is every mouth speaking foolishness so as to make the Lord angry? Why is, are they all godless and evildoers? It's simple. He said it is because of the prophet who teaches falsehood. 
because of those who guide these people who are leading them astray. That's what the problem is. Once a man wrote a book, I heard a story, I don't know the details, a prophet. Now, it's not every prophet you know, I hope you know that. Most prophets, you don't know their names. God will just call them in their homes. They will go and deliver the message and go to work on Monday. I hope you're getting my point. Daniel is a kind of prophet like that, you know. When you go to the um, Ministry of uh, Internal Affairs, it's probably the minister. They wanted, wanted to make him prime minister. That's when problems began. Weekends, he would dream his dreams. He would interpret for somebody on Monday and go back to work in the evening. This particular man ahead, he wrote a book and mentioned the names of about four major Nigerian preachers and told them that God said to him that they are the problem of Christianity in Nigeria. And he sent the books to all of them. I don't want to mention names. And the Lord said, you, you, you are the problem I have right now. It's in the Bible anyway. If you see any congregation where one sin is consistent amongst the people, go and check what the pastors are doing. You know, there was a time, they said Sanusi is an Islamist, that's Emir of Kano, that is taking Christian banks. I said they're laughing. You know, Christians, let me quickly drop this for us, please. I hate the way we behave like defeated folks. People under attack. If Muslims say they want an Islamic bank, we'll be making noise. And I say, what kind of foolishness is that? Don't they have a right to Islamic banking? Have you gone to say you want a Christian bank and they have not given you? Do you not say I should sign a petition and say me? You want God to put me out of ministry, Abi? When that Islamic bank thing was coming, I was one of these, what's wrong with you people? What is wrong with somebody saying I want to bank according to my religion and according to my conscience? And in case you don't know, drop the word Islamic for a moment, all right? One must understand that ethical banking has always been there in the rules. Even investment, remember those days, they are what they call ethical funds. What's an ethical fund? If you buy, let's say, you go to a mutual fund, all this IBTC, I don't know what they want to call it now, but you, go, you put your money there. They can invest your money in anything legal in the country, including things like um, alcohol that you don't believe in. So they, are, they have what they call ethical funds. Ethical funds, when, when you put your money there, they, as a rule, they avoid things that people have conscience problems with. They don't invest in tobacco. They don't invest in alcohol. And these are things that are legal in the country. And some of them will not even invest in normal banks because they charge interest. Because it's against an Islamic mind. So one is they say, we wanted Islamic bank. And I saw Christians running up and down. Say they want to Islamize Nigeria. I said, you see, defeated people are terrible people. They can't reason straight. Why don't you try, and, by the way, to try and Islamize Nigeria is also legal. It's legal. Just like you have a right to also want to Christianize Nigeria. And in case you are not trying to Christianize Nigeria, you now know why we have a problem. You want to Christianize 500 square meters. That's you want to build a house and call it your own. That's the problem. How are you spending your money trying to Christianize Nigeria? If you are not spending your money trying to Christianize Nigeria, then you are the real problem, not the people trying to Islamize it. Because something must be aitized inside. Either it's Islamized <laughs> or Christianized. The only way you will not get them to Islamize Nigeria is for you to Christianize it first. And if neither Islam nor Christians will 
I ties, you know what I mean, Christianize or Islamize Nigeria, then atheists will take it over. Like they've taken over the whole of Europe. Europe as a rule, nation after nation, individuals after individuals say there is no God. It is national doctrine. It is individual doctrine. Every school teaches it. There is no God. That is what happens when you are neither Christianized nor Islamized. So you see Christians making noise. Eh, they want to, I say, what's wrong with these people? Every little thing. They, are, they, are, they want to Islamize us. They want to Islamize us. Who is they? You are the, they should be complaining that you want to Christianize them. But instead of us to be doing that, we are so busy trying to defend the, and which we will lose. Because God's only agenda for the church is advance. Of the increase of his government and of peace. That's the only you know, agenda he has. Christians, I'm tired of us trying to be you know, reasoning as if we are the one. No, we are the aggressors. We are supposed to be the ones attacking. But unfortunately... We have become complacent because of a little bit of prosperity. Where was I? I was reading something earlier. That's the issue. Have I finished reading this? Okay. Okay, we have finished reading Isaiah chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 8, quickly. So Christians, we are not allowed to be thinking, no, our God is alive. The problem is that we are not you know, moving, pushing the way we are supposed to push. And you now see our, a lot of our leaders who have become very, very divisive. We are not teaching the people right. And like we saw in that Isaiah, so the people are godless. They don't have purpose. They are living aimlessly, far away from God. Isaiah chapter 8. Ezekiel chapter 8, sorry. For time's sake, we won't read everything, but you can take time out and read from verse 7. He brought me to the entrance of the court, and when I looked, behold, in a hole in the wall, God, God showed him a lot of things. Verse 10. So I entered and looked. Behold, every form of creeping things and beasts and detestable things with all the idols of the house of Israel were, were carved on the wall all around. Standing in front of them were 70 elders of the house of Israel with Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, standing among them, each man with his censer in his hand and the fragrance of the cloud of incense rising. Then he, that is the Lord, said to me, Son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are committing in the dark? Each man in the room of his carved images. Are you seeing that? That's what we were doing. The elders, they were into idolatry, but only in their rooms. And when they come out in church, praise the Lord. Amen. The Lord is good. They go inside. What are they doing? Idolatry. And that was the reason why these people had the problem. Last of all, another one I read. We've read mostly from Ezekiel and Jeremiah. These were the people who prophesied for us to understand the judgments of God and how to avoid them. Ezekiel chapter 22. Let me read from verse 23. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in her midst, like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured lives. 
They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst of her. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane. They have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they hide their eyes from my Sabbaths. And I am profaned among them. Her princes within her are like wolves, tearing the prey by shedding blood and destroying lives in order to get dishonest gain. Her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions and divining lies, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. You know what he said? The people of the land have practiced oppression and committed robbery. And they have wronged the poor and needy and have oppressed the sojourner without justice. You know the rest of the story. I searched for a man among them who will build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Thus I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. They are way I have brought upon their heads, declares the Lord God. Now I've read all these scriptures to let us understand something. That this is a problem. This is a problem. Wrong leadership, wrong teaching. People who do that they do injustice to the word of God. And you know the truth about the word of God? Why people do injustice to it? It's because of gain. Sometimes direct money gain. Direct, that is. If we say it like this, it will bring cash. And indirectly also, the same thing, gain. You preach things you don't believe in for promotion's sake. One of my sisters goes to a particular church, a very known church. If I mention the name, if all the ones I've, I've not mentioned, if I mention you, these are things you will know. The pastor of their branch, where she is, said to her, say, my sister, please, be praying for me. Why should I pray for you? All of us need prayers anyway. He said, because the one I'm doing now, I don't know when God will punish me. He said, because, take this Sunday as an example. I had a word from heaven that I was supposed to preach. I had it ready. Then on Sunday, I got a signal from headquarters that we needed to raise a certain amount of money. Then on Saturday, I got that signal. So I changed the message again. So when he finished preaching, he raised the money and he remitted it. So he turned to this lady in choice, my sister, please, I hope you are praying for me. Because the way I'm going, I'm a candidate for judgment. Please, people of God, I'm telling you the reason why we have Boko Haram. Let me read this one, then we'll rise up to pray. Second Chronicles chapter 26. These things were recorded for our learning. Nobody should come and tell me this Old Testament. No. I want to read the story of Asa. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Now the Spirit of God... No, let me see. Sorry. Okay, yes, 15. Now the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now this is the background, verse 3. For many days Israel was without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But in their distress they turned to the Lord God of Israel. 
and they sought him, and they let them find him. Again, the background. In those days, there was no peace to him who went out or him who came in. For many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every kind of distress. Who troubled them? Verse 7, but you be strong, the prophet was saying. And do not lose courage, for there is reward for your work. And then what happened was that Asa now went ahead and did the revival thing we've been talking about. He took courage, removed the abominable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin, and from the cities which he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He restored the altar of the Lord, which was in front of the porch of the Lord. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon who resided with them, for many are defected to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord, his God, was with him. So they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. They sacrificed to the Lord that day 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. They entered into the covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and soul. And whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. Moreover, they made an oath to the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets, and with horns. All Judah rejoiced concerning the oath. Now, let's just read the last part. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Everybody read that with me. One more time. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. You see, the way they got rest... I remember this because when you see what's going on in our country these days, that's exactly what is going on. What's going on here? No peace to him that goes out or the ones that comes in. I heard the news all over the country. Farmers, in fact, they say what they call food security is threatened because farmers are freed to go to their farms in some parts of the country. Trouble on every side. And somebody still thinks they should blame the head of state. Oh, no, the other day I heard that Khan was calling for the resignation of the service chiefs. With all due respect, it's unnecessary attention. And I like the president said there's no time to remove anybody. Yeah? Don't go to church again now. I refuse to remove them. Why do we regard man whose breath is in his nostrils? Why don't we look to God who is not dead but is a living God and we claim he's our God? The king offered Nehemiah military escort. He said, no, we have told him that his God, our God defends the people that seek him. He rejected it. For that resentment, let us pray. We are putting our God to the test now. People of God, we have one prayer for today. To pray against lying priests, false prophets, wrong teachings. But those are the things. Lying priests, false prophets, wrong doctrines, and anyone, listen, I mean it like that, and anyone who would continue to push these things into the body of Christ, they have to be shut down. Because that is our problem. Our problem is worldliness, idolatry, wrong doctrines, and divisions. That is what invited Boko Haram. That is what is causing problems everywhere. And you're talking about wrong doctrines, idolatry, divisions, 
listen, it's what people preach. It's what they teach from their pulpits. Sometimes it's so embarrassing for me. I think what they call Christian television. And I say, how can I sit down and be watching this and you call it a Christian television? It's not better to watch Bruce Lee. <laughs> Honestly, you know, you start wondering. And Bruce Lee cannot mess with my doctrine. We watch Chinese film where people are doing uh, Kung Fu and they are flying. They can't mess with my doctrine. Not, not, not like I'm watching TV and I'm getting angry. Being provoked. And you say, this is Christian TV. People of God, I have given you the... Listen, I've given you the mind of God for the cause of problems that we have currently around us. We are the problem as a body. And inside the body... The problem starts from the head. Can we rest off it? It's time to pray. You know where to direct your prayers now. It's not the head. Look, if I, first let us, let's bless, we are going to bless the head of state of Nigeria. Let's start with that. <laughs> let's bless the head of state. Let us bless all the people that work with him. Let's bless the vice president. Let's bless our senate, you know, members of senate. Ask God to bless them and keep them and give them wisdom. I want to hear your voice loud. Say, Lord, we pray for the head of state of Nigeria. Bless him, keep him, give him wisdom. Keep him in sound health. For his vice president, all the people that work with him, give them the power to uphold righteousness. Keep them, they are going out and they are coming in. Give them the strength, Lord, to do your will in this nation. They are not our problem. They are not our problem. We bless them with your blessing today. Those who do not know the Lord will know the Lord. Jesus, we ask you to visit those amongst them that don't know you. From the president, we mention him first. If he does not know the Lord right now, because there are some secret followers of the Lord. That's why I say if. If he does not know the Lord, Lord, visit him in his old age. Drag him into the knowledge of the truth. Have mercy upon him. Heal him completely. Give him a sound body. Give him a sound spirit that knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep him. Help him. Make him a blessing to this nation. Make him a blessing to this nation. Pray for the governor of this state also. Say, Lord, keep him. Bless him. Help him. Make him a governor to this state. Pray for the service chiefs that they said they should remove. Say, Lord, strengthen them to do your will. As long as they are in that seat, they will do what is right. Give them wisdom. Send angels among their troops to rout all the enemies of the people. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, help them. They need help. They need help. The king said, where will I help you from? If the Lord does not help you. What we need is the help of God. Say, Lord, help this man. Whom you have saddled with these responsibilities. Help them, Lord. Say, Lord, now pray for yourself. Say, Lord, I repent of accusation. Because each voice of accusation you release weakens the hands of these people. Say, Lord, I repent of accusation. And I ask for mercy for myself and my brethren. In the name of Jesus. Let every word that we have spoken against them be cancelled. Let them be cancelled. So that they will be strengthened to do your will. So they will be strengthened to do your purpose. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. I want us, you know, when you want to pray, listen, the first thing you understand, first, you know who God is. Those that come to God must believe that He is. When we have gotten to know who the Lord is, 
Next thing is what? The weapons of intelligence, we talked about it, to have a knowledge of what his plan, his will. And in this situation, what is the will of God? Jeremiah chapter 3. And I believe that time has come. And we are going to use that one to pray. From verse 14, he says, Return, O faithless sons, declares the Lord, for I am a master to you. And I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds. If you have a King James, use the word pastors. I like that because it's so appropriate at this time. And I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. And it shall be in those days when you are multiplied and increased in the land, declares the Lord. They will no longer say the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And it will not come to mind, nor will they remember it, nor will they miss it, nor will it be made again. At that time I will call them Jerusalem, the throne of the Lord. And all the nations will be gathered to it, to Jerusalem, for the name of the Lord, for, to, to Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. Nor will they walk anymore after the stubbornness of their evil heart. Amen. Now, so what are we going to pray? Now, we have seen what the problem is. And we have seen what the plan of God is. And that is how we pray. We have seen that all the problems were, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of that things shall be what? Added. Many of the things we are saying God do in this country. He said, do what is right. It will come to you naturally. All this one that there is no peace to him that goes out and him that comes in, it will disappear. Somebody say amen. amen. A time will come that kidnapping will be something you have to explain to children. Yes. You have to explain it to them for them to know what they are talking about. It will no longer be something you read every day in the news. Say amen. No? amen. It shall come to pass that as the church begins to walk in the light of God, that the things that will scare people now will disappear naturally by themselves. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This land, prosperity will return to it. Amen. In abundance. Amen. And this country will fulfill its destiny of exporting and promoting the gospel of God around this world. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. But where does it start from? From He said, house of Israel, walking in the light of the Lord. And how would they walk in it? He said, it's a problem of leaders. It's a problem of prophets, of those who teach and handle the law wrongly. So God said, how will I do it? I will give you pastors or shepherds after my own heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. You know, there are times people have told me, say, Pastor, what do I do? I don't want to leave my house on Sundays. I just want to sit at home. Why? That I've been to many churches. I'm tired. And they're not proud people. They just want somebody to just come to church and say, the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. Jesus is the Lord. Amen. And they'll be happy. But the one who go to church today, they are firing his enemies. Next, he goes to another Sunday. Another Sunday goes to another church. They are telling him that if his tithe is not complete, his blessing will not be complete. So he goes back home. After going around for some days, there are churches he will go to. They will dance, or do fashion show, do drama, do comedy. After three hour service, the guy say, "Why did I come to church today? I could have just tuned TV and I would have been entertained." Many times, people will ask me. Well, <laughs> They've asked me many times, I, I, I want to stop going to church. This man will be trying to be nice. Please don't stop going. No. Sometimes when I see here giving that counsel, I'll just be laughing. Say, you should not stop going. Tell him where to go. 
No, really. It, it can really be a problem. That's what Jesus meant when he said, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are what? Few. We are combining those two scriptures and we are going to pray for some time. One, he will give us pastors after his heart, whose primary assignment will be what? To feed us with knowledge and with understanding. You will ask God to raise men who are not there for any other thing apart from exalting Christ and feeding his people. You know, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than this? He said, yes, I do. He said, feed my sheep. Say those who will hear that instruction and be feeding the people of God on a daily basis. Not milking them, not fleecing them, but feeding them. That God raised them up. We are asking the Lord to raise them because this was what you promised. Say, Lord, push them out. That's what it means. Send, he said, pray the Lord of the harvest. I will do what? Push out laborers. They don't want to go out. Kick them out into the harvest field. Let's pray now. And I want you to pray to the Lord from the bottom of your heart. Say, Lord, send us people, every church. And listen, this is how God, in fact, please, pause, 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 pause. I forgot one part. God is judge. He does what? No, I'm, I'm quoting the scripture, Psalm 75. He, said, he does what? He brings down one and raises up another. He said to Jeremiah, I have put my words upon your lips. With my words, you will do four, six things. One, you will break down, you will tear down. You overthrow, you will uproot, then you will build and you will plant. If you see, God always yanks out before he builds and plants. So God, let's start with this prayer. Say, Father God, every platform where lies are being pushed into the body of Christ, yank that platform off. Simple prayer. That is the enemy of the cross we are talking about. You have to attack those enemies. People are there fighting witches. Say, Lord, anywhere lies are being propagated, your people are being taught wrongly. That Christ is being covered. And negative things, old things, dead things are being exalted. Lord, pull them down. Pull that, pl- that platform down. Pull that pl- pulpit down. If it's the airwaves, shut it down. Father, we ask of you in the name of Jesus. This is your will. We put your plan upon our lips. You want us to be fed with knowledge and understanding. But first of all, every false doctrine, wherever they are coming forth, shut those places down so that your people can walk in righteousness. So that your people can walk in the truth. Lord, we ask of you, shut them down. Uproot them. Every enemy of the cross, let them be silenced. Let us say, Lord, every enemy of the cross, let them be silenced. Every enemy of the cross, enemies of righteousness, those promoting worldliness and ungodliness, the worship of Baal, the worship of other gods, friendship with the world, and making it their core doctrine, and Christ is being covered. Father God, all such, all such places... Shut them down in the name of Jesus. Retire men from ministry. I'm sorry, I have to pray like that. Who will not turn and preach the truth. Because no, Paul said that lest after having run, I am found, I'm, I'm set aside. That's what Paul was afraid of. So Lord, those who will not preach the truth, please set them aside. Make space. We used to say those that, that poor church is better than no church. God never said so. It's our assumption. R.W. Schambach said what we end up doing is inoculating people against the truth. 
That's why Jesus is not interested in bad church. He said, let there be no church. I prefer that one. We say bad church is better than beer parlor. Jesus said, I don't think so. If it's beer parlor, the people have not been inoculated against the truth. Say, Lord, shut such places down. Shut them down. Shut them down. We are tired of lies. We are tired of we being led astray. We don't want to be led astray anymore. Every shepherd that's not interested in loving Jesus and therefore feeding his sheep. Lord, we ask of you, shut them down. Shut them down. In your mercy, correct the ones that can be corrected. Give warnings once. Give warnings again. But those, Lord, who will not be corrected, you have to shut them down. That the preaching of the word of God will no longer be odious in the ears of people because of unrighteousness. Let's if you want to be persecuted, let's be persecuted for teaching the truth. Ah! Not for doing what is wrong. Now let's pray to the Lord. Say, Lord, build and plant. Build and plant. Remember that's how it goes? It is time to build and plant. Give us shepherds after your own heart. Oh, we feed us with knowledge and with understanding. Push them out, Lord, into the harvest field. Push them out, out into the harvest field. Lord, send true revival into the church of Christ in this nation. Send true revival. You know what true revival is? It comes with repentance. It doesn't come with money, breakthrough, healing, miracles. No. It comes with repentance. Say, Lord, send true revival. Say, Lord, send true revival. Lord, send true revival into this land. Let's continue to pray and ask the Lord to send true revival into our land, into the church. Brethren, please let's open our mouths and pray because indeed God is listening to our prayers. He's listening to our prayers. He's listening to our prayers. Uh, let it be said that you were among the people that prayed for the revival. Ask that the Lord will send true revival into the church. Ask that the church of the Lord will experience revival. True revival. We are men who love righteousness. We are men who love righteousness. Pray, pray, pray. Pray. Maybe you, you, you represent a denomination here. Ask that in that your denomination, true revival will be felt. Can you pray that prayer? Using the denomination that you represent as a point of contact. That Lord, in this place where I worship, let my pastor teach the truth. Let my pastor teach the truth. Let his message be Christ-centered. Let the message of my pastor be Christ-centered. May he not be pressured to preach other message. May he not preach another gospel. But rather, he will preach the true gospel of Christ. Brethren, pray that he will not cover Christ in his messages. That his message will not cover Christ. But rather, every of his message will reveal Christ. That Christ will be revealed on our pulpits. That Christ will be revealed on our pulpits. In the name of Jesus. Brethren, pray. You will see the effect from this Sunday as you go to church. And you will ask, what happened to my pastor? Pray for your pastor. Pray for the denomination that you represent, that you attend. That Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray for a revival upon your church. Revival upon your church. Where men will be tired of iniquity. Where men will love righteousness. In the name of Jesus, we pray for our pastors. That they will teach the truth. That their messages will be Christ-centered. In 
the name of Jesus, brethren, pray that their messages will be Christ-centered. That their messages will be Christ-centered. Brethren, pray, 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 pray. We come against division against the body. Pastor talked about earlier, about that earlier. We come against division in the body of Christ. Everyone sowing the seed of discord in the church of God. Let that person be exposed in the name of Jesus. We pray for unity among the brethren. We pray for unity among the people of God. We come against division. We come against division. We come against division. We come against the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of competition among churches. We come against that spirit. That spirit that competes. That spirit that competes. We come against this. We ask for true revival. Brethren, pray. Brethren, pray. That spirit of competition is driven out of the the body. That spirit of jealousy is driven out of the body. We pray for the full operation of the gift of the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ. Inside the church, pray. Say, Lord, we ask for a full operation of the gift of the Holy Spirit. A full operation of the gift of the Holy Spirit. A full operation of the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the body. Pray. Say, Lord, we ask for a full operation. Complete operation of the gift of the Spirit of God. Brethren, and finally, let us pray. Everyone that God has sent and is afraid. Let's ask that the Lord will give them. There are people that God has sent and they are afraid. Let's ask that the Lord will give them boldness to go into the field. Pray. Everyone that the Lord has sent, every pastor, that the Lord has put his words in his mouth. Like Jeremiah said, he was afraid. Let's ask and say, Lord, push that one. Give him boldness. Push that one. Say, Lord, we thank you for steering us to pray in this direction. Lord, we thank you for bringing your word to us again. We bless your name. Blessed be God forever. For what you're doing in your church again, Lord, we thank you. Because we experience that true revival. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Praise the name of the Lord. Brethren, let us remember the prayers. We were not ending here. These are prayer points that you take home and you continue to pray. Amen. Um, you continue to pray for the church. The same way we have prayed here, you go home and you continue to pray. And I assure you, the truth is, you will see the revival of God. You will see it in your churches. In the name of Jesus. You will wake up and you find your children speaking in tongues. They will tell you the dreams and the vision that they have of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. There will be a fresh fire from God upon every soul here. Listen, I, 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 I sense it so much. There will be a fresh fire of God. You will never know what's happening to you, but it's God staring you and directing you in some certain directions. In the name of Jesus. Teaching and preaching will not be difficult for you because the Spirit of the Lord will come mightily upon you and your mouth will be open to declare God's word. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus. So let's go home and continue to pray. Let's continue to pray.